Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry on a rainy Tuesday. If you want to reach us, you can do so on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at TFry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, if you have time, head on up to Sasquatch from Wildcard Casino. They always have great giveaways. Right now, they're giving away a Tesla, yeah. And if you don't want it, they're going to give you nearly $33,000 in cash instead. Head on up there, check out the sportsbook, outstanding menu as well. Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Terry, how are you? I'm doing well. All right. I drove in, and it's just like Oregon out there. I thought I was back in my home state. Yeah, for a day. Native state. For a day. Yeah, it'll for be a day. It'll be 83 tomorrow. Is it, is it any better in Seattle? No. Uh, yeah. No, Seattle's worse. Right. Right. So, so somebody once described Seattle to me this way, and I'm not going to be as graphic. Seattle is a great-looking girl who never wants to go out with you. With too many bridges to get across. That's right. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, you haven't covered a game this big for the Avalanche in, what, 20 years? 20 years since the 2002 Stanley Cup Cup Western Conference semifinals against the Detroit Red Wings. And here we go. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Okay, Avs Oilers tonight, game one of the Western Conference Finals in Denver. They'll probably face things off around 6-10, 6-15. Uh, let's talk about our overall thoughts about this series. I'll just start, you know, very, very quickly. Uh, an NHL player once told me, guy much smarter than me has forgotten more about hockey than I will ever know. He said, you get to the playoffs with two really good lines, and you win in the playoffs when you have depth on your third and fourth lines. Yes. And I look at this Edmonton team, and their top line, this is not hyperbole, their top line of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Kane through the opening two rounds of a playoff <laughs> series is as good as, if not better, than anything Gretzky and Lemieux ever threw out there. Well, the startling thing about that is the addition of Evander Kane as really raised the raised the bar there and it's it's been something to behold and he, i didn't expect this from him right he, you know he's he's having all kinds of personal problems that essentially got thrown out of the game for a while now he's back and he's just tearing it up on that line 12 goals in the playoffs leading everybody in goal scoring including Connor mcdavid it's funny when you go back to those old oilers teams <laughs> All right. And we'll talk about the old Oilers teams because they're playing the Oilers. That top line was Gretzky, Curry, and a lot of the time, Marty McSorley. And Dave Semenko. Yeah. They brought in a Vander Kane to play the role of Semenko or McSorley. Instead, he has turned into Curry. <laughs> right? Yes. He does Yari both. Curry. He does both. I don't know if he can keep it up. I don't think he will keep it up, but I, but it's it's really been 
a surprising development and really added some spice to this series. Well, as you've said to me, Terry, and I won't necessarily disagree, guys tend to do crazy, unbelievably great things when they are going into a contract year. <laughs> and that's Evander Kane, and that is Nazem Kadri. Yes. And Nazem Kadri's probably going to be gone after this season. I don't see any way how the Avalanche can fit him under the cap. He's, he would have to be extremely, extremely hometown mark, hometown, home team friendly for that to happen again. And I don't blame him. I, you know, he's he's really going to reap the benefits of his terrific year and uh, the idea that despite everything that's happened, that he's somewhat turned around on the ice in terms of not doing stupid things. You can make the case he was the MVP for the Avs during the regular season. Yes, you could. He kept this team afloat and he was with he, all the injuries. And setting up other people in the process with his tremendous year on it of assists. I mean, I don't want to get too far into next year because, hey, we're starting game one of the Western Conference Finals. The Avs have about $26 million in cap space. You have Kadri, Kemper, probably is your top two free agents. And then McKinnon has one year left on his deal. And they're going to, they're going to re they're going to negotiate that extension as soon as they legally can after right. this season. Right. So that's going to commit them down the road. It wouldn't commit them immediately, but it would commit them down the road. All right. Let's go back to 2017. You had a conversation with Nathan McKinnon and he told you, I don't know if I'm going to be Connor McDavid one day, but I'm going to be the best version of myself and hope that I can turn this team into a championship team it's funny because who's older between the two? McDavid? McKinnon or? is older. Right. So what did they say about Connor McDavid when he was drafted? Yes, generational they, player. They were uh, two years apart in the draft. McKinnon was 13 and, and uh, McDavid was 15. And although at the time, Nathan was never billed as a generational player. McDavid was. That November 17, 2017 conversation was after that just horrendous season. It was early in the next one. And I wrote probably for about the 37th time that Nathan McKinnon needs to become more like Connor McDavid for the, to uh, really give a shot in the arm to this avalanche team and be its leader in the future. And it really kind of surprised me that he somewhat conceded that point and conceded that at that point, when was the last time you heard a, an athlete be this self-effacing about his skills? He said, he said, at some point, I have to get as good as Connor McDavid. I want to be Connor McDavid, and at some point, I have to do that. But to him, he punctuated it with, by saying, lead his team to a championship. And so I, that has been kind of the underlying foundation of everything Nathan McKinnon has been saying and doing is that he wants to lead a team to a championship and and stamp his reputation with that, bolster his reputation with that. So he's kind of on a two-pronged mission here to be considered – as good as or better than Connor McDavid, but also to lead a team to a championship. And that's part of the definition in his mind of greatness. And it is. Well, it is. And if you look at the resume of Connor McDavid, it is filled with a lot of individual yes. regular season awards. A lot of Art Ross trophies, which you know, lead the league in scoring and got a bunch of heart trophies where, the, where you are the MVP. Hey, I'll take it a step further with Nathan McKinnon. We know what he said, you know, Four or five years ago, right? About McDavid. How about what he just said about four weeks ago about Kale McCarr? Yeah, he, he probably is the best player in the league right now. He's going to be the best defense. He's He might have a chance to be the best defenseman ever. I don't want to take anything away from the Oilers. Yes, and it's an accomplishment to get to the Western Conference Finals. 
but it's about freaking time <laughs> because that- they've had four number one overall picks in six years. And they swung and missed on two of them. They sure did. One of them's still on the team, Nugent Hopkins. Right, yeah, Nugent Hopkins. He is still on. Four number one overall picks in the draft. And they have finally gotten to the Western Conference Finals. No, by the way, I believe Dreisaitl was the third overall pick. Now, Oilers fans will point to the Avalanche and say, well, McKinnon was the top overall pick in the draft, right? And then you had Kale McCarr, the fourth pick. And then you had Gabriel Landeskog, what, the second pick? Second pick. And then you had Matt Duchesne. Matt was the third. Right. And now, what seems Brian, to be... Brian O'Reilly was the 33rd. What seems somewhat ironic is, and now people are starting to pick up steam on this notion of the Avalanche Revenge Tour. <laughs> First, they beat Duchesne. Jumped, I jumped on that. Then they took out Ryan O'Reilly. And next, Tyson, Tyson Barry. Barry. You know, you're laughing at that, but it's really it's really kind of eerie. It just set up that it's way. It's eerie in my it's mind. Those are, they, those are 2009 Avalanche draft choices. I get it. O'Reilly went in the second round, Duchesne in the first, and then Barry later. Actually, after Stefan Elliott, who uh, turned out to be a complete bust, Barry was better than they thought he was. But to me, the, all three of those players were on that 2013-14 team. They were considered cornerstone pieces. They got 112 points in Patrick Waugh's first season as coach. And we all thought, God, here we go. This right. is going to be a great team for a long time. Right. And then the, the bottom fell out. They didn't make the playoffs the next two years. So when I when I hear people talking about recovering from that two horrific, horrendous, historically awful 2016-17 season, Jared Bednar's first season after Patrick Waugh's bailout, I think of the, I think of coming back from that 13-14 season when we thought they were descending into the elite again of the NHL with Patrick Waugh's coach, with Joe Sackick as general manager, reuniting of the band, everything. It was set up for a perfect story. Uh, Adrian and I did a book on that season called Saved by Waugh, and it's interesting to see hey, there's a lot of foreshadowing in that. But the, that was what they're coming back from, in my mind, is is the false promise of that terrific 112-2013-14 season when Nathan McKinnon did win the Calder Trophy as, as the uh, NHL Rookie of the Year. So he, he started out pretty much a fire, then kind of leveled off or, or descended before coming back and surprising us all to becoming maybe the league's best player. I am not suggesting... And I'm not comparing that Avalanche team <clears throat> to the 2007 Rockies, Cap, because that no. was because when you talk about the word aberration, you're talking about the 2007 Colorado Rockies. What I am saying though is that team was an aberration too, and it was for two reasons. Number one, is it fair to say you can't score when you don't have the puck? It's fair to say you can't score when you don't have the puck. And generally speaking, they were one of the worst teams in the league at puck possession. They took advantage of every single chance. Everything fell their way. When Patrick Wild was pulling the goalie with four to five minutes to go into the game, they kept scoring as well. And Varlamov was terrific. Yes. Eventually, the law of averages was going to catch up with that team. When you when your puck possession is... Have you is, been talking to Patrick? Why? 
That's what Patrick says, most of what you're saying. Oh, really? Yeah. No, no. What does he say? I'm being dead serious. Well, he said Varlamov pretty much, it was an aberration in the sense that Varlamov carried them that year. I wouldn't say he was an aberration because Varlamov was a good goalie at times throughout his career. His, what he did. No, he was not knocking Varlamov. He was just saying he was so good that year that he helped carry it. And we're not giving, sometimes he's not been given enough credit for that and that, the amazing thing was uh, they were the same. Their record was the same home and away first half and second half. Exactly the same. And so they were amazingly consistent both on at home on the road. It was a, it was a tremendous year. I don't think it quite enters into that atmosphere of the aberrational no, no, 2007 not, it, No, no, it's not. It's much further down the list. But my point is the law of averages is going to eventually yeah. catch up with you when you're not a good puck possession team and you're scoring all the time. That means, it, and this is a, a very much an exaggeration, you have 10 shots on goal and you're scoring four, right? No, no one has a 40% clip. The point is, with the amount that they possess the puck. You're not going to start to spout analytics at me on that. No, I mean, but, that, but that's pretty basic stuff. Point is, they were bad with puck possession yes, the following were. year. And what did they do? They came back to the mean. And when they started pulling the goalie, with four minutes to play, and they weren't scoring. Gee, what's wrong with this team? No, it was it was partially an aberration. They did have young talent on that team. And oh, by the way, the year before Tyson Berry was traded, I was pushing for him to get traded earlier. Why? Because did you see that McCarr was coming in? or what? No. Because, Sam Girard coming in? Because he couldn't push anybody out from in front of the net either. Here's the reason why I was a fan of trading him. Because while... This year's blue line is really good. What was the problem four years ago? Their blue line was awful. And what they had mainly, they had too many offensive defensemen. And Barry was up for a contract. And I said, you just cannot keep bringing all these guys back. McCarr is a two-way defenseman. Patrick did not like the contract that they had signed Barry to earlier. You know, Patrick Waugh should take those two Stanley Cup rings and swallow them and stop talking. The way he oh di- that that's bad that's back in the past. The I mean, way he he's not di- saying it. Right I'm sorry. Now. The way he ditched this franchise is shameful. And oh, by the way, Patrick, if you're sitting across the table from me, I got news for you. Joe Sackick is a much better talent evaluator than you are. You stunk at it. Well, they differed completely in philosophy. Patrick wanted physical, big defensemen. And right. Joe was looking at kind of the hybrid defenseman approach. Who was right? That, that was coming into Patrick. Who was right? Joe was. Best of luck, Patrick, wherever you are, and enjoy those two Stanley Cup rings. One of the best goaltenders ever. You had one magnificent season here with the Avalanche, and you quit on the team. Because you didn't get your way. You didn't get your way. You were kicking and screaming your way out the door. He screwed this team. And you know what? We all said, who the hell is Jared Bednar? Right? Who is this guy? Yeah. Right. Coming up after the break, we're going to continue our Avs talk. What's it going to take for McKinnon to maybe be seen just as bright of a superstar as McDavid? And if you are not a fan of Darcy Kemper, you've got company. People in Edmonton feel the same way about their guy. That's next. Gravity 
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. I'm never what I like. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service. And they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. I want to go back to something we talked about in the first segment on the show when uh, Nathan McKinnon told you, I don't know if I'm going to be a Connor McDavid one day, but I'm going to be the best version of myself and hope that I can turn this team into a championship team. Is there anything that Nathan McKinnon can do in this series, in this playoff run, to be mentioned in the same breath as Connor McDavid? To do something spectacular, to outplay or at least neutralize Connor McDavid, and to uh, have the Avalanche win. There's no way it can happen without them winning. To his credit, Nathan's standard is leading his team to a win, and so he's going to have to meet that that uh, goal himself, the self-set goal. But I think he it's going to be really, really tough. I mean, Connor McDavid is is the best player in the world, right? Don't yep. you think? So I. Just to get into the same breath with him would be a huge, would be a significant step. I think he's sort of already there now, but he's kind of considered definitely on a second, second stair below Connor McDavid. I made the case before the playoffs started that McKinnon was the better player, but now I lost my argument. If you looked at the the Oilers' stats, I mean, Drysaitel and McDavid both have twenty six points. The Av- the Avalanche. Leading scorer is, is, is McKinnon with 13. And that's where I lost my argument. My argument was that McDavid could not lead his team either into the playoffs or past the first round. My argument was McKinnon, in terms of points per game in the playoffs, mm-hmm. third all time. That was my argument. Don't tell me how great of a regular season player you are, because quite frankly, I don't want to hear it. It's irrelevant to me. Show me championships or show me you taking your team deep in the playoffs. Just show me one of those. It doesn't have to be strictly championships, but get your team to the playoffs. Where does Dan Marino fit in your book? Dan Marino is one of the greatest of all time. He led his team to the playoffs all the time. But he had a, he he didn't, except for his first year, he didn't have much of a defense around him. I think Dan Marino is the best quarterback ever, even even above Joe Montana and John Elway. Well, in terms of, well, I don't put John Elway in my top three. I don't put John Elway in my top three. I don't know if I, I, I may put him in my top five. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of the playing the position of quarterback as a physical talent, yeah, I can see going with Marino, but I wouldn't go with him because he's not better than Peyton Manning and he's not better than Tom Brady. And here's the reason why. One guy's opinion, we're getting totally, you know, off track. Well, well I, was, I was bringing up the concept that if you don't win a championship, you aren't playing bleep. Dan Marino hurt himself by not listening to Don Shula. Mm -hmm. He wanted to pass all the time. Don Shula wanted to run the ball. Marino wanted to pass the ball. Well, you know what? When you pass the ball all the time, uh, you're going to have a lot of incompletions. 
You're going to keep your defense on the field. You're not going to win as many games as you hope. You have to work within the system, and that's where Peyton Manning is great. He's a better student of the game than Dan Marino, and so is Tom Brady. Well, you're talking about Dan Reeves and John Elway also. Very similar dynamic. Yeah. With Mike Shanahan coming in and, and getting in between them, and at times exacerbating some of the problems. Right. Mike Shanahan was a great coach. I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that. He was hired to give his input. His input was not the same as Dan. And let's be completely honest here. John Elway was asked to bail out the team in the fourth quarter because all Reeves wanted to do was run, run, run. He Reeves did not do Elway any favors. But if we're being completely honest, and I know nobody in Denver wants to hear this, John Elway was a turnover machine. 300 touchdowns, 223 interceptions. Unbelievable talent. Could lead you back in the fourth quarter. All of those things. But even by today's standards of eras, right? If you look at the stats back in the day, like Dan Faust. Percentages. Right. Quarterback adjusted rating would be the term. Because you can't compare today's NFL to the NFL back then when you could chuck wide receivers, the line of scrimmage, and they could all different game. Tight end couldn't get out. Right. Different game. I get it. However, even with quarterback adjusted stats, John Elway is not even in the same league as a lot of the greatest of all time. I think there's a lot of intangibles involved in there. And John Elway as a physical specimen, as a quarterback, unbelievable arm, mobile. I'll ask you, I'll ask you, and I can't believe we're getting sidelined on this. Your dad was with the Broncos organization. Yes, he was. Yep. Did John Elway maximize his potential? Yeah, I think he did. You do? Yes. Mm, okay. I don't think he did. Okay. Well. Was he a student of the game? Like the greats? No. Different horses for different courses. And John, hey. El- John Elway's attributes far outweighed his shortcomings. Not suggesting. I'm not he, suggesting. If you want to build a Superman quarterback with various elements from every quarterback, okay. But you can't you can't just separate say John Elway didn't have this and he didn't have this. Oh, he had every physical gift, no question. But you're talking about stu- student of the game. Was he a student that. of the game where his acumen was so high, was so high? But his physical talent was so tr- was so tremendous, he didn't need to be that guy analyzing every step of the route. Okay, I, I don't see why he wouldn't want to do that, but that's okay. Let's get back to McDavid. I say this all the time about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Everybody who's in the Hall of Fame is a Hall of Famer. But there is a small room where only a few guys get the key. I'm very, very cynical about the Hall of Fame voting process. I don't want to. Let's not go down that road. That's not the point. My point. When you say they're all Hall of Famers, I would differ with you on that point. Whoever's in the Hall of Fame is in the Hall of Fame. My point is at the Hockey Hall of Fame, about seven or eight guys get a key to a special room, like Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. What's in that room? Sidney Cro- You don't want to, I don't know. I've never been. And Connor McDavid, right now, has the ability to get one of those keys. All due respect to Joe Sackick, he'll never get one of those keys. He was a great player, but he's not top 10 of all time. No. Right. Pretty darn close. Right. And that's my point. Certain guys get a key, the small room, right? Manning, Brady, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Lawrence Taylor. Certain guys in football get that key. How about Brian Trottier? How about Mike Bossy? 
Oh, I, I honestly, I Bobby wa- Orr. I Bobby Orr does. Yeah, Bobby Orr does. Yes, Bobby Orr does. Okay. My point is, is that Connor McDavid is on track to get one of those keys. I don't know if Nathan McKinnon is, and that's I, all. I don't know either. And that's what I'm saying. I don't know if he's on that trajectory. Great player. Well, the, the, we also thought of Austin Matthews as a generational player. Does he does he get a key? Nope not 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 if he's not, not if he's not going deep in the playoffs. Not if he's not getting the Stanley Cup Finals. He's not. But but what if what if Connor McDavid doesn't get in deep in the playoffs and doesn't get well, a Stanley both, Cup both have a long both have a long way to go in their careers. That's why I said before the playoffs started. I look at Nathan McKinnon, third all time points per game in the playoffs. That's where it matters. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know who Connor McDavid was before the start of these playoffs? Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> before Kershaw finally won a World Series. Cy Young Awards, one of the lowest ERAs in the last 40 years. But at the end of the day, he couldn't find a way to get to the World Series or, for lack of a better phrase, win one. You got to, to be considered one of the greats. And at the quarterback position, you have a lot more control than you do as a center on a team, right? Right. So, anyway, uh, do you think so you're thinking Matthew Stafford fits into this too? Like Clayton Kershaw, and Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, right now, if he retired today, should not be in the Hall of Fame, and it's not even debatable. But they went to the same high school. They should not be in the Hall. You, of, you only, you he only should hear not be that brought up. He should time. not be in the Hall of Fame. To me, that's not debatable. Let's talk about gold, goaltending. For as much as we complain about Kemper, oh, what's going on up there with 40-year-old Mike Smith, it's just as bad. Well, the, the problem with that is, I wonder, Ken Holland is a terrific general manager. They shouldn't have Mike Smith playing goal. They should have a better goaltender than that. They tried to get Darcy Kemper. They tried to get a whole bunch of guys. I know. He was like the he was like sitting He's at the bottom. 40 years old. He was sitting at the bottom of the trash bin. And they're like, fine, I guess we got to take him, right? He handles the puck really, really well. That's mm-hmm. tremendous. His biggest attribute, and but he's not a he's not anywhere close to a top level goaltender. But but we're looking at a matching set here, and that and that Darcy Kemper, although his numbers are okay compared to Smith's, um, he's given up a lot of softballs. Yes, and he he has to establish in his teammates' mind that attitude that he can save our bacon. He hasn't proven he's that got one to, game. He's got to do it at least. Twice in the next two series, you know, there's we we may be talking about this in Game Six, of the Stanley Cup Finals. That Darcy Kemper has to be better than he's been because they they might manage to keep winning. That would be the ultimate strength of this team is if they can win a Stanley Cup championship with mediocre or worse goaltending. He's got to be. I, my gut instinct is he's got to be better. He's right. got to be better. You know, maybe the the biggest, but again, the biggest compliment to this team might be if they can get away with it. You remember even the uh, glory years, Patrick Waugh was tremendous in saving their bacon. That great team, he was tremendous in saving their bacon, standing on his head for the organization. And he Kemper has not been able to do that yet. Here, of the nine games they've played, right? It's been nine games, right? Ten games? Nine, nine games. He's He's played nine. He's played nine. He's been the better goalie, and I'm being generous in two of them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he got outplayed by a third-string guy, too. Yeah. 
he just hasn't been that great. But you know what? They're having the same conversation up in Edmonton right now. But they're they're even worse about it. But uh, because but, they're saying but, this guy's forty. But I guess what I'm what I'm saying is I don't think they're piling blame on Mike Smith for being bad. They're piling blame on how the hell is this our goaltender at this point? Yeah. Coming up after the break, we didn't do it yesterday. We will say Rocky Mountain Forest product shout out question to our guys Ty, Cal, Caden, Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. If the Avalanche go on to win the Stanley Cup, where does Joe Sackick rank as the greatest GMs in Denver history? That's nice. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman and Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at TFry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, every Monday on the show, we do the Rocky Mountain Forest Products shout-out question to Ty, Cal, Kate, and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. We did not have a show yesterday, so we're going to do it today. If the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, where would you rank Joe Sackick as the greatest Denver GM of all time? He would crack the top three at that point. Number one, it has to be Pierre Lacroix or the two Stanley Cup championships and also being so instrumental in establishing hockey in this market, gaining a foothold, all of the, all of the entire package, not just winning Stanley Cups, but the entire package of being the architect of the hockey establishment and renaissance in Denver. And they, uh, two Stanley Cup championships, three Western Conference Finals losses, uh, nine consecutive division championships from 05 from 95 to 03 uh, the home sellout streak i know you're going to raise your eyebrows at that it wasn't legit but we all know that but yep. it, was, it was indicative of the who's popular. two number two is john elway yep super bowl win over carolina it, you know it's almost the same thing with him and Sackick. you sort of let his playing career drift into your evaluation of him as an executive is that fair to say i don't Okay, I think a lot of people do, and I would. Okay. Number three is Carl Shearer. Okay. All right. Sackig would be number one for me. And he'd be number With one. one championship? He, if he won a championship. And I'd put him over LaCroix because LaCroix built this team by spending money. He didn't build the team through the draft. His core players were built through money. That was overstated. He he nursed the franchise through some horrific financial hardships under ownerships. All I'm saying is he didn't, he did not draft Sackick. He did not draft Forsberg and he traded for Wah, and he had a lot of money to spend. My whole point is Sackick has Sackick built this team from scratch, from scratch through the draft. Okay. I would not put Elway to because I give the credit to Peyton Manning guys. What do you think with that? I'll tell you why I give the credit to Peyton Manning. Let me ask you, you're transferring all the credit to other people. Okay. I'm well, 
I'll make more of a case for Manning. Von Miller's greatness <clears throat> is directly reflected by bringing DeMarcus Ware onto the Broncos. There's no doubt about it. And anybody would tell you that. DeMarcus Ware does not come here if Peyton Manning's not on the roster. Neither does Wes Welker. Neither does Brandon Stokely. Neither does TJ Ward. Neither does Darian Stewart. You're saying he was a recruiter? Yeah. Absolutely he was. Guys wanted to play it with Peyton Manning. It was before NIL, too. Yeah, I know. Guys wanted to play with Peyton Manning. What happened after Manning but, retired? But is that John Elway's fault? I mean, you're, you're subtracting from his accomplishments and his overall, he's the CEO of the team. He should get credit for those things. Okay. What I'm asking is, because I said this well before Manning retired, I said there are going to be two eras of John Elway as an executive. Peyton Manning era and after the Manning era. And he proved he's not a very good GM without Peyton Manning. But the after Peyton Manning era shouldn't completely denigrate everything that John Elway accomplished. It was one of the worst stretches in Broncos history outside of when Floyd Little played. And it's not debatable. Okay. Is it, is it debatable? Yeah. They missed the playoffs. Yeah, I think you, you're... They missed well, the, that part, yes. They I mean, missed the playoffs six years in a row. You're, allow, record you're allowing the down period to completely wipe out the positive period. Well... And you're, you're making it sound like like John Elway had nothing to do with Peyton Manning coming, coming here. He, he had something to do with recruiting him. I'm with you. John Fox, by the way, does not get enough credit either. My point is, I give Elway a lot of credit for bringing in John uh, Peyton Manning. I do. So then, but the, all those other the, guys don't ripple, follow. But the ripple effect of Peyton Manning mm-hmm. on down is John Elway above him for bringing in Peyton Manning. You got to give him credit for that. I give him credit, but my point is, if this team over the last six years was a ten-win team pretty much every year, then that tells me this guy is a, is really good in the draft. He's really good in bringing in free agents. But it, it was such a dramatic drop, like a bowling ball falling off a table. Those are two completely different eras. One was the top of the mountain, and the other one was on the bottom of the moat. You're letting the one completely wipe out the positives and the accomplishments of the other. Um, I'm, I'm going to the mean. If one's really high and one's really low, I bring them up and I make them equal, and that's what it is. The other myth involved there was was Pierre Lacroix. He didn't have an unlimited budget. It was not the cap era, but they had a budget. Pierre kept to it. There's there's a lot of times when they would just hand Pierre the budget and he'd say, "Okay." How did the Avs do after the lockout? They did not do. They lost Adam Foot and they lost Peter Forsberg because they had positioned themselves in giving long term contracts to players before that. And so Pierre Pierre called us into his office one day got out a yellow legal pad, ran down his thinking in signing those players to the long-term contract. Who were those guys? Well, they were the, 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 the real mainstays of the franchise. Hey, Duke, Tangay. Who were those guys? But he couldn't do it. He couldn't sign everybody to everything. And it, it, we weren't exactly sure how the cap would cap would be implemented and how it would, how it would evolve. And so, he, yeah, they screwed up the transition to the cap. To yes, the cap. big time. But they, it was not entirely predictable of exactly what that cap would be. And if, if he had said, I'll guarantee you, if he had said in 2003, two, 2002, 2003, 2004, well, we can't do that because we've got we to cut corners so we're ready for the implementation of the cap 
whenever it is, after the next collective bargaining agreement. We would have got roasted them. We would have given them hell. We wouldn't have let them off the hook. Here's, here's the simplest way to put it. And let's bring it to the current day today. He gave up his GM duties when? 2006? Uh, that sounds right. He was an advisor from then on for a while. They haven't been to the Western Conference Finals since they won the Cup. And you know what's ironic about that timing? Right around the time, there was a lockout. Well, the, yeah. And the, the t- it was the dark season, 2004, 2005, and then again in 2013. And who, was, who did he hire to be the GM? A marketing guy? What? Francois Jaguer was the general manager for a while. Greg... Greg, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. And his background was in marketing, right? Mm-hmm. You surprised I know that? I remember that was his hire. He hired a marketing guy to be the GM of the team. My point about Joe Sackick is this. He has built this team from scratch, from the draft. You should get a lot of credit for that. That's why Sam Presti with Oklahoma City gets a lot of credit because he built his teams through the draft. And you look at the Golden State Warriors. They built their team through the draft. I give guys more credit if they do it without money than if they do it with money. Greg Sherman was the general manager. There we go. Right. And what was his background? He, he was started out in kind of uh, who hired ma- him? marketing. And who hired him? Pierre did. Good night, everybody. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? One of the biggest stories of the Blues Avalanche series was Jordan Binnington chucking a water bottle at Nazem Kadri. We've got Binnington's explanation of that action coming up after the break right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Blues season officially over, so some of their players were meeting with the media, and Jordan Bennington was asked about the incident where he threw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri. Here is what he had to say. Jordan, what was what was the deal with the water bottle? Uh, I just, I went, uh, I mean, 
So I went, I went to get my knee checked out mid-game, and uh, I was coming back to the rink. The game just ended. Walking down the hallway, um, couldn't find a recycling bin on my way down the hallway and and right before I went, walked into the locker room I see him kind of doing an interview there smiling laughing and I'm there in a knee brace limping down the hallway and just felt like it was a god-given opportunity uh, I don't know I could just stay silent and and go in the room or I could say something and you know just have him look me in the eye and understand what's going on something to think about and I just yeah, through the uh, through the water bottle, an empty water bottle. <laughs> it landed like two feet from, so it is what it is there. And I mean, but it is what it is. It's hockey and it's a competitive game. So that's it. Jordan is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. That's no. the first thing we have to start with. No. Number two, if we could just ban the phrase "it is what it is" from sports lexicon, I'd be really happy. I think uh, a lot of people around here remember the champion of that phrase was Todd Bertuzzi. Number three, I I sort of get where he's coming from. I sympathize. He's walking down the hall. He what what he saw unfold is what he outlined there. I it was stupid of him to throw the water bottle instead of finding finding the right recycle bin. It was just a stupid move, and he could have found a way to say, look. Um, if that contributed to some of the garbage that was thrown Codri's way after that, I sincerely apologize. But he's not smart enough to do that. Well, he's not introspective, and he's not self-aware. First of all, is is throwing something at somebody off the ice part of hockey? No. Oh, coaches like to throw water bottles at officials, but they don't. They make sure they don't hit him. Yeah, because first of all, Jordan, that's not part of hockey. What he should, I, I hear what he's saying. That Kadri's having a good time and Bennington's hurt. Uh, he's just I had back a, from the hospital. I had a moment of weakness. I was upset at the time, and in retrospect, I shouldn't have done it. Should somebody Period. have been? Should somebody have been telling him to say that? And by that, I don't mean putting words in his mouth, but alluding, to, telling him. This is where I think so many sports operations don't get it. They need to prep their players and saying, "Look." At least come out and at least come out and say you 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 want to disassociate yourself from the worst garbage. With the way the St. Louis Blues handled the Cadre situation, do you think this PR staff <laughs> honestly has enough mental IQ? Do you think they are smart enough? But, but after to a talk week, after a week of things hitting the fan and uh, us hearing exactly what was constituted in the hateful, hurtful messages. Yeah, I would like to think that somebody would have been smart enough to do that. I think we are very lucky here in Denver. Very lucky to have the PR staffs that we have. Okay? Nick O'Hare with the Nuggets is fantastic. Brendan's done a very nice job with the Avalanche. Uh, the new guy with the Rockies has done a very good job. And then, of course, you have Eric Schubert and Patrick Smythe and so on and so forth. I have covered 14 professional franchises over the course of my time in this business. And there, it's not even close. Not even close. The NFL has the best PR department, and that's not an accident. When and they oh, cro- by the way, you know what else, Terry? They don't need the PR, but well, they're the best. When they cross the line to putting words in players' mouths, and you can tell that that's not what they believe, that I don't like that. A lot of that comes from agents, too. But since throw it in front of them and say, hey, Jordan, you might want to think about dot, dot, dot. You're going to be That's not us. out of line. 
I will tell you what the Broncos do. Every single press conference, for whether it's Hackett or Vance Joseph or Fangio or Shanahan, and for the quarterbacks as well, because they meet the media too. Somebody's standing there? Well, before they walk into the press room, the PR department says to the player or the coach, you should expect to be asked this type of question. Mm -hmm. That's smart. They don't do that in baseball. Well, I'm not saying they don't. Point is, NFL PR staffs are the best in the business, and they need it the least. And and it's really a pretty steep drop-off with the other sports, especially with the sports I've covered. When I cover the Chicago Blackhawks, absolutely dreadful. (laughs) Pathetic is probably the right term. And you know who's even worse? The Cubs. The worst. I didn't know that. The worst PR person I've ever worked with. She was an absolute nightmare. But you know what? The guy with the Blackhawks wasn't much better. They didn't know how to handle stuff. The press box is up there. You're on your own. Right. Okay, that was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store and you can... uh, Try out the appliances before you buy them, not to mention when you do buy, you're going to want to work with an experienced sales staff. That's what they have when you make a purchase like a refrigerator or any other type of appliance. You want to get something that fits your needs. You're not going to get those same type of questions at the big box stores. Go with Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Avs, Oilers tonight, game one. They're going to drop the puck around 610. Is the Avs trio just as good, if not better, than McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Evander Kane? Is that going to be the difference in this series? That's next. 